combining the two into one statistic. It's just complete media manipulation. Take away those diamonds, I don't need those rocks. A second-hand car and a new pair of socks. I want liberty without conditions. Chasing Liberty with Josh. And he's going to give us some information about his background. He has his own podcast. So we'll have a chat with him. Over to you, Josh. Yeah, my podcast is called Shit Shooting 101. It's a podcast where uh, we shoot the shit, we learn some shit, and hopefully expose the bullshit for what it is. Um, yeah, my name is Josh, and uh, here I'm here in the States, the state of Ohio. And my job, I work well course i don't just do the podcast it's not bringing in the millions of dollars i expected it to <laughs> so i still have my job and uh i deliver oxygen to nursing homes so uh i've been privy to the inside information of what's really going on with this whole scamdemic pandemic i call it a shamdemic call it whatever you want to but i don't see it as a pandemic myself yeah so you've um You've been in there at the start then, so did you notice anything in particular at the tail end of 2019, uh, or or did it really kick off later on? In 2019, no, there was, there was nothing that was, well, there hasn't been anything different from any other year except for the extreme mandates as far as uh, sickness and death, as far as that's concerned, but um, I did see one study, I can't remember the college that did it here in the States, but um, they looked back at some of the blood samples um, back in September of 2019, and they found uh, antibodies for SARS-CoV-2. So that tells you that we lived through 2019 through COVID-19 and didn't even recognize it until the media picked it up in 2020. Yeah, well, that that would kind of tie in with what everyone's been saying about the fact that 80% of people don't even have symptoms. Most people would just pass it off as a cold. Not many people would get terribly sick and it would attack the people that pretty much like flu that have comorbidities and and are getting near end of life, I think. I'm not sure what the uh, average death rate in the States is, but in the UK, um, the average life expectancy is 81 and the average person who died with COVID was 82 so that pretty much sums us up from the UK's perspective Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly our statistics on that but I know that the average death for COVID-19 is uh, a few years longer than our life expectancy which is very telling in and of itself uh, but what I see in the nursing homes, and I talk to nurses everywhere. I go, I go to nursing home after nursing home every single day, and I talk to all the nurses and all the staff, all the frontline workers. And uh, the consensus is that it's pretty much bullshit because they they see like uh, 70, 80-year-olds who are testing positive, and they're not having any symptoms, most of them. But the ones that do have symptoms – most of them survive even at that age. And when you're in a nursing home, you have comorbidities. You're there for uh, the, the rest of the remaining years of your life. Um, and so to, uh, to have these comorbidities, get this virus, uh, survive it, most of them, uh, it, you know, it, it really tells you what this really is. It's uh, like they call it a case-demic because uh, they're just manufacturing cases now because they can't even trick you with the death rates that aren't really there. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point because, I mean, every every Tuesday I go into the Euromomo site, which correlates all the death rates for, uh, all the excess deaths for Europe and, and some other countries like Israel, strangely enough. But, um, yeah, that's the the death rate just doesn't show anything this year really that wouldn't be expected from a normal flu season and and on that topic what were your nurses saying about the complete lack of flu or were they again saying that it's all been conglomerated into one yeah that was very noticeable from the beginning because i going into nursing homes uh well i i can't even go into them now but when 
was going into them uh, prior to 2020, the flu, the flu kills old people in droves. I mean, when you have a compromised immune system and you experience something like the flu, I mean, hell, even a cold, the common cold can cause uh, secondary conditions that will end up uh, being fatal to you. So, uh, yeah, the fact that the flu doesn't exist anymore, it, it's just a f- absolute farce. It, it, this, uh, you know, uh, combining the two into one statistic, it's just complete media manipulation. Um, yeah. I, and I go and I ask the nurses, I, I always ask when they talk about the deaths there from COVID, I ask them, did you notice anything, any symptoms that were different? Uh, from flu symptoms and most of the time I would say 99% of the time they say no, no different symptoms. Yeah, yeah I spoke to a funeral director um, in round about midsummer in Scotland and she was saying that other than a a brief period in early April they had a, a kind of spike of deaths from nursing homes but after that the the rest of the summer uh, up until that point that I'd spoken to her, the death rate was lower than normal. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, uh, from what I've seen in the nursing homes, what happened in the beginning, when it first came to the States, we didn't uh, have any extreme mandates in the nursing homes. And they were talking about there's a case here, there's a case there, there's deaths here, there, everywhere, and I wasn't seeing it in the nursing homes. And if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in the nursing homes where people are the most vulnerable. But they weren't; they didn't have any mask mandates, and it, nobody was getting infected. And then they unleashed these extreme mandates, these counterproductive mandates, and that's when I started hearing of cases popping up here and there. I would anticipate a certain degree of pneumonia cases if you're wearing a mask all day or having to wear it in a nursing home, it just sounds crazy to me. Uh, Yeah, I would just like to explain about PPE because prior to 2020, um, the way the protocols were for uh, PPE, dating back who knows how far, far in the past, and they were in effect because they were effective if you did it this specific way. But what you would do is you apply the PPE before going into the infected patient's room and you would discard it before exiting. You would never, ever wear PPE in the common areas because it's counterintuitive. I mean, if, you, if your PPE is actually effective at uh, collecting the virus or the bacteria or whatever contaminant, you don't want to take it into uh, non-contaminated areas and spread it and unleash it there. Yeah, That's why it started because of the mandates. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point because if, even if you go back to things like, um, do you remember Outbreak, the movie? And okay, they were dealing with uh, Ebola or, or some variant of Ebola, but they're going through decontamination zones when they can't come out of the lab so and they're discarding their suits in that. So they're not bringing any of the contamination out with the lab. And that's exactly, obviously, what these people were doing prior to these mandates. And then the mandates have effectively said, no, wear your PPE and, okay, they're, they're maybe changing it three or four times a day or whatever, but every time they come into contact with anyone who's infected, there's a likelihood that they've got some of that contagion on their, on their PPE and they're then dragging it around the rest of the nursing home, yeah? Right. And uh, you mentioned Ebola. Um, I mean, do you know anybody dying from Ebola? <laughs> we didn't lock them. we didn't wear masks, we didn't contaminate this and that. We just continued living our lives because uh, the old standard was you, uh, you quarantine the sick, you protect the vulnerable, and you allow the healthy to do whatever the fuck they want because the healthy make intelligent decisions for their own lives and the lives around them. And that is always translated in herd immunity, natural herd immunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and this they now seem to think that we need to have a vaccine to generate a herd immunity when we've been doing it for hundreds of thousands of years without it. Right. Um, well, it's 
it's a misnomer to call this a vaccine because it, it's not any design of medication that we've ever known before. I mean, we've never had something that's going to modify your RNA. That is by no definition a vaccine. But uh, here in the States, uh, over half of our frontline workers are refusing the vaccine. And in Ohio, I don't know if it's this the statistic is still the same, but it was 60% refused the vaccine. And that tells you something. These are people who are medically trained. People don't want to listen to nurses. They think they're beneath doctors. But um, I'll tell you, most nurses are more qualified than most doctors because they're in the trenches. They're, you know, they're experiencing it uh, hot and heavy on the front lines, if you want to call it the front lines. Um, while doctors, they're in, they talk to you for two minutes, they prescribe you something based on, uh, you know, a pamphlet they received on their desk and the incentives that they got, and then they, they're gone. Yeah, you're 100% correct. It seems a bit strange that people who are in the medical profession and think critically about the products that they're having to, to take or prescribe are very reticent to take it and yet the governments are effectively bribing coercing basically having a propaganda campaign to try and make people take this alleged vaccine which i think you quite rightly state isn't a proper vaccine um i don't know if you've seen any of my tweets but i tend to call it a treatment rather than rather than a vaccine because it doesn't fulfill any of the criteria um, it's a strange vaccine that they're not sure if it stops transmission they're not sure if it actually stops you getting it, they're not sure if it stops you passing it on and all it seems to do, the success criteria seem to be alleviated symptoms only. So uh, then how is it a treatment? <laughs> well, <laughs> because it's a treatment because it alleviates symptoms, that's all it does it's like well, LEMSIP <laughs> that's, that's been a propaganda in the medical field is as well, to believe that if there's a symptom, we have to completely alleviate that symptom. But it's like uh, when your nose runs, we take Sudafed to dry up your sinuses, but your nose is running for a reason to mm -hmm. uh, expel that, uh, that virus or bacteria, whatever you have in your system, from your uh, nasal passageway. You, uh, it's like when you have a fever. If you have a low-grade fever, you should let your body run its course because that's your body... Um, initiating this defense mechanism. And instead, we're like, oh, I'm running 9,900 degrees. I better take Tylenol to reduce that. And in fact, you're just fighting your own body. So I would say that by alleviating symptoms, uh, some, and sometimes and in many cases, it's actually uh, counterintuitive to uh, actual medical treatment. And in this case, uh, the fact that this vaccine uh, alleviates symptoms, but it doesn't stop you from being infected or transmitting, that means that that virus can, uh, it can last within you for a much longer time than if you did get sick and your body did fight it off and inoculate it. That means that this virus is lasting longer and it can mutate, the viruses can mutate w within a matter of hours and it can mutate into something much stronger and then you thereby become a, a super spreader. Yeah, I, I thought that viruses tended, though, when in a host, to, to mutate down the way so that they became less effective. Um, I, I suppose there's always the point that one of them might make a big jump, though, and, and then become, as you say, a super spreader. And when they started talking about it mutating, that should tell you something. When we haven't had the vaccine the whole time that they were telling us it was mutating, that tells you that it had to mutate. We were winning. Our immune systems on their own was winning. Yeah. Nothing uh, adapts in this world. Nothing evolves and changes if it's having success. Yeah, I th I th well, that's a good point because if you look at, and, and the two big standout, are the one that stands out for me in the States is California and Florida, where you have a very similar size of population, a very similar climate. Maybe Florida's actually probably a bit more humid, so it's a, a worse 
climate for having a respiratory disease in. But Florida has a lot more elderly people. Um, they didn't have anywhere near as many interventions as California. And their actual performance has been slightly better than California, which does did have a lot of interventions and a, a lockdown, basically, didn't it? That's that's a excellent excellent point, and yeah, I never thought to make that comparison. But they're two very similar climates, and but they're being uh, con- they're conducting their uh, methods of handling the pandemic two complete extremely different ways, and yeah, there's uh, California isn't having better results. Florida is, and uh, I'll, I'll I. The governor, his name is escaping me. Damn it! Oh, but he, he seemed like a hero here lately. Yeah, and he's uh, he's against the vaccine passports, and he uh, un- undid the mask mandates. So I'm like, it's looking like I need to move to Florida because here in Ohio, we have this doofus named uh, Mike Dewine, and he's. I, you know, normally you call a politician a puppet, but he's not even a puppet. He's a Muppet. He is a parody of a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> and the government just works him with their hand up his ass, and however they move their hand is the way his mouth moves. In. Is Ohio a blue state? Ohio is uh, mainly a red state. Right. Florida's obviously Republican and California's Democrat. I don't know if that had made any difference to the, the way they've treated things. But New York was obviously, that was one of the, the big movers at the, the start that became very draconian in their, in their lockdown and um, had very poor results generally. It's almost like the, the states that have done very little, i.e. South Dakota, um, Florida, even Texas to a degree, have actually had better results than the, the, the states that have put in a, an awful lot of interventions. Yeah, and that seems to to be the consensus all across the world. Uh, I mean, you look at Tanzania before their president was assassinated, and nobody can tell me he, he wasn't assassinated, but he didn't follow any of it, and he wasn't pushing vaccines, and he didn't trust the tests, and he gets offed. But uh, you don't see Tanzania just dying off the face of the earth because that's not how viruses work. Yeah, no. If they killed us all off. They wouldn't be able to survive, so we'd have no viruses on the planet. We would have died thousands of years ago. Well, absolutely. Tanzania was a big um, big eye-opener for me because I wasn't really paying that much attention. I, I know this was the guy that tested the pawpaw and the goat and everything came back positive, but as we all know now, you run a PCR test, multiple ap- amplification cycles, you're going to get a positive result even if there's nothing there. Um, but the thing that... As Terry Mollis said before yeah. he was off. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he was Yeah. Because he, he died three days before Epstein died. Yeah, right, okay. That's uh, that's uh, coincidental. Or, or was it? So... Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I believe it was part of the plan. It had to be a part of the plan or he'd be out there on the his soapbox telling you quit abiding by these tests that I, the creator and yeah. telling you does not work for shit. Well, exactly. And, and he wasn't a fan of Fauci either, was he? Right. So, but to go back to Tanzania, it, I thought it a bit suspicious when the president died at what, 55 from a heart attack and an alleged heart attack. But I, I then found out that about 10 of his cabinet all around the same age, have died as well. So effectively, they've just wiped out the entire government of Tanzania because this guy, in all intents and purposes, ridiculed COVID as a a disease. Yeah, and that's a typical Western world intervention when it comes to Africa. I mean, we can do what we want because what African media outlets are coming in to the United States or into Europe or anywhere besides Africa. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We test our vaccines there. You can get away with it. Well, they've been doing that for years, haven't they? I mean, did they not not cause a smallpox outbreak in Africa as well? Uh, Sorry, not not smallpox, Uh, not smallpox, polio. One of of Gates' polio 
vaccines caused an outbreak in, in Africa. When polio was basically eradicated, and then uh, Gates makes his rounds and then brings it back to third world countries. He did it in India as well and got got the boot. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I mean the who the who quite openly say that the the uh, outbreak that's currently ongoing in Indonesia is vaccine derived. So it's mutated because of the use of vaccines in Indonesia. All right. And uh, in uh, Kenya, I don't remember what year it was, but um, the WHO was vaccinating them there. And it turned out that they were sterilizing the women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that so one. So they could reproduce. I well, tried to share that on Facebook. Even though it was a Washington Post article, it uh, fact-checked me and blocked it. Yeah, you can't a get Washington Post. <laughs> yeah, you you just can't get anything that doesn't agree with a narrative onto social media these days. It's only if you're a small, you know, Twitter account like mine with only a few thousand followers, they don't pick you up as often. Although I have had, you know, twelve-hour bans, seven-day bans, whatever. Just for, I I've started putting sources on almost everything I tweet now to back up what I'm saying. So it's coming from what looks like, well, it is coming from the mainstream media. So there's a better chance of an appeal if something happens. But it really is ridiculous that there is no freedom of speech on the Internet as it is just now. Yeah, you can't even use their sources. You can't even show, hey, the CDC said this. Hey, this is this came from Fauci's mouth right here. You can't even post that without them blocking you. Um, I've got uh, my podcast got the got kicked off of Spotify, and then at the same time, uh, my Facebook account uh, kicked off. And you, you don't get an explanation as to why. And you, There's nobody to contact. I mean, yes. well, this leads me to the thought of what I, I wanted to say. I, like, I wanted to defend nurses because there are a lot of people – in the conspiracy community or the anti-masker or anti-vaxxer community, whatever you want to call them, the people that are against the official narrative, I, you know, I don't want to lump them all together in one, yeah. under one term, whatever. Um, but uh, a lot of them are against nurses these days because of these stupid, ridiculous videos of dancing nurses. They're crisis actors. They're not real nurses. I'll tell you that for a fact because nurses don't even have a time to take a lunch break, let alone uh, coordinate dances. Um, but there's there's been a lot of backlash against nurses. Why aren't they speaking out? Why aren't they standing up? Well, when they do, they get uh, kicked off of YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And then uh, they risk losing their job. I, I know of a doctor who uh, in Zanesville, Ohio, he, uh, he shared a post against COVID-19, you know, the posts on his Facebook, his personal Facebook page was just explaining how it's all bullshit. And uh, he not only lost his job, but he went to jail. Wow. So, um, yeah, so when you're, and it's not like these nurses have time to go on the podcast circuit because, you know, MSNBC, Fox News, BBC aren't knocking on the door to do the interviews to see what they really see from the inside. So it's not like they have time. They're working 16-hour shifts, and then they're going to get off and then go do a little podcast like my podcast and think that it's going to make a change. So, you know, they're kind of defeated. And I, I say that we as the community who realize the bullshit that we need come together and provide safety nets for people who do whistleblow. And I don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've spoke to nurses um, during this, and, and most of them have said that there's been very little happening in the hospitals, and they've been genuinely quite quiet. Um, one nurse who, who did work on a COVID ward said she asked for a transfer out because they were actually too quiet and she wasn't getting enough work. But the, I find the people that seem to to go the other way when it comes to the National Health Service, that's the UK version, are the people that work in admin because they become very defensive and they, they don't actually have access to anything because, you know, the nurse that worked in the COVID ward said the ward was sealed off, it, the whole floor was sealed off, nobody else in the hospital was allowed to go on that floor unless they actually worked on that ward. 
So basically they didn't have any contact with anyone else in the hospital. So the other people in the hospital, the admin staff and the other nurses, they actually don't know what's going on in the COVID world and whether it's busy or quiet. So they were all given at the party line of, you know, things are frantic. And yet the nurses are actually working. They're going, well, it's actually not anywhere near as bad as you think it is. And, you know, she had three patients, I think, at one point. And one of them had pneumonia. The other one had uh, the flu. Uh, and the last one basically just had a bad cold. Right. You bring up uh, the COVID wards. What goes on in nursing homes here in Ohio is uh, they have weekly tests. And if they test positive, they get thrown on the COVID ward, whether they their experience, whether the resident, the elderly person is experiencing any symptoms whatsoever or not. So it may be a false positive, And then they throw them in with somebody who is uh actually positive and that's another way to spread it but uh these tests going back to that i know two different people who have had consecutive tests in the same day with uh two different results yeah so uh both of them experienced their first test was a negative their second test was a positive within the same day yeah and and this this doesn't occur uh, I mean, this isn't something that everybody regularly does. You don't get tested twice in the same day. They just had uh, special circumstances. The one guy, uh, he was getting tested for his job, and then he was getting tested on the side for an antibody research thing he was doing. The other one, she was getting tested for one job, and she was getting tested for another job that she was applying to. So most people, uh, they just get tested once. It says positive, you're positive. That's it. And people should be asking, why is there not a secondary test to confirm it? Why is there not a blood test? Yeah, yeah. Why is there not an antigen test to see if you've got antibodies to it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's crazy. I, what was his, Elon Musk? He tested himself four times in one day and got two of each. Oh, did he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he he uh, he wasn't. He was a bit concerned about that. Yeah, I, I don't keep up with him because I, I stopped trusting him. <laughs> I don't know what I think about that dude with his Starlink. Yeah, it's you. You don't know who to trust these days, and, right. and there's an awful lot of this. You know, you 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 see people on Twitter or or any of the other social media, and they'll say something, and then somebody will say he's just a shell, and then you think, well, but they've said something that's fairly fairly innocuous, and other people are saying ah, he's a shell. You can't take anything he says. And then he'll say something that sounds quite right, and then he'll keep saying something that sounds quite right, and then he'll come out with something that's maybe a little bit contrary to to what the the let's just say the anti-establishment community are looking for, and suddenly he's a shell, and nobody nobody listens to him anymore. I'm not sure that that's quite fair. I think that uh, you're you're allowed to have a difference of opinion, even amongst the people that generally think the same way of as you surely. Yeah, even pathological liars tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, from time. <laughs> so you shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I don't know what they did in Ohio, but back in Scotland and in Sweden, strangely enough, they had they when the media started ramping up the fear factor, they started decanting people from hospitals, elderly people, back into care homes without testing them. So they were just putting them straight back into their care homes, whether they were positive or not positive or false positive or false negative. But they just put them back in their care homes. And that's how, well, I suspect that's how we ended up with a large number of COVID deaths in nursing homes in Scotland. Um, Sweden did a very similar thing, except their government turned around and said, look, in hindsight, we made an error here and we shouldn't have done that. So they said they were sorry. The, the Scottish government doesn't say it's sorry for anything. It's, uh, In fact, actually, I tell a lie, they might have actually just admitted that they may have made a mistake just today and that they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and the thing is, like we talk about with the false positives, if somebody isn't actually uh, sick with COVID, but you're treating them only for COVID, they may have bronchitis, they may have pneumonia, they may have any array of other um, conditions 
and you're only focusing on this one thing, well, then you're treating them for the wrong thing, and that can cause a death in and of itself. In the beginning here, we were obsessed with uh, ventilators. Yeah. And I work for an oxygen company. I know what people look like on ventilators. You do not want to go on a ventilator. This is for the most extreme conditions to where you cannot breathe on your own free will. You have to uh, make them unconscious mm -hmm. and... Uh, to be able to shove this uh, tube down their throat. And then uh, what happens is most of them don't recover from it. And if they d ever do, um, they have uh, respiratory conditions that are caused from the ventilator process itself. Um, so, you know, when they're talking about, oh, we see long-term effects from COVID, long-term respiratory effects from COVID, it may have been from the treatment they were given not from COVID. Yeah. And when you put, when you take somebody and you put them on uh, high flow oxygen, um, that can cause respiratory effects, respiratory conditions, because um, now your body isn't uh, concentrating and filtering the oxygen out of the air that you breathe. It's become dependent upon this machine to do it for you. And so as that occurs, your body loses the ability and becomes dependent. And then that may be translated as, a, uh, as an effect of COVID instead of actually the treatment. Yeah, well, they seem to have really picked a whole swathe of symptoms that got attributed to COVID at some point. There was the loss of smell and taste. Well, that's a common cold. You lose your sense of smell yeah. and taste for that. Um, there was the there was erectile dysfunction, I believe that became one at one point. Um, there yeah, was, that, that was here recently, about a month ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, they just bump everything in. Yeah, everything yeah. is a system. Yeah, so yeah, at that point, it's possible. Yeah, as as it's um, it, it's there's been a degree of desperation as they've sought to try and keep this thing going on longer and longer and well, I'm not quite sure where I stand on this because initially I thought maybe the government were fairly incompetent they made a few errors and what they were trying to do was find an exit path and still save face so as they could get voted in for the after the next elections. It's been now going on for so long that that doesn't seem tenable and with so many other countries in the world following the same route it does tend to indicate to me that there might be some force majeure at work here. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly believe that this has been in the planning for a long time. I mean, uh, Fauci himself looked into the crystal ball and said that there will be a pandemic in at Trump's term yeah. in office. And uh, you have Event 201 bill gates uh with his uh crystal ball predicting the future to a fucking t um and then you go back to 9 11 and the way our government orchestrated the fear campaign after that yeah it's the same thing i mean we're using the same color code system here in in the states uh during 9-11, they were at code level purple, and you're like, what does that mean? They're like, it means just, I don't know, kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> you didn't know what the colors meant, but now they're doing the same thing now for counties and the level of cases, which is, it absolutely does not, uh, it, it doesn't reflect the actual cases that are being seen in the nursing homes or even uh, the hospitals from uh some of the staff that I've talked to there. Yeah, it, you're, you're right. I mean, a case-demic, cases really don't count. It doesn't matter. Um, one, you've got the flawed testing, which can really be manipulated to throw up as many cases as you like, or you can drop the cases at any point. And then the, the only thing that, to my mind, that would give you an indication as a massive excess death rate, which we don't have, because all these all these cases that were put against COVID since last summer have almost completely been matched by the lack of people dying from heart attacks, strokes, you know, normal flu, 
pneumonia. So it seems that everything's been shifted over to to COVID, and the other and the other people have um, just been they've either not been dying, which is very unlikely, or they are been diagnosed as COVID, but they've had a heart attack and they've still put COVID on the death certificate. Right. Uh, yeah, we had uh, here in the states, Doctor Scott Jensen talked about that early on, uh, how they were manipulating the the death certificate that you, they were primed to mark anything as COVID death. Yeah. It didn't even have to exhibit symptoms. No tests, no symptoms, but just, I just assume that it's COVID. And then they incentivize hospitals, they incentivize nursing homes. Here, we're going to throw money your way if the more COVID cases you have. So what are they going to do? They're going to falsify COVID. I mean, these are business people who are trying to make money. Yeah. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to see a, a, a they're going to see a profit margin and just say, no, 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 we have integrity. They never had integrity all along. <laughs> they got into it the business side of. Yeah. Well, medicine has become a business. Um, even even in the UK, where medicine was supposed to be provided for all, it, it has become a business, and it's become very much treat treat like we discussed earlier it's become treat the symptom and not the actual underlying cause so there's no money in curing people there's there's money in uh, treating them but there's no money in keeping people healthy and curing them right and uh what i was talking about with my girlfriend she's a registered nurse at a nursing home and she's dealt with covid patients from the beginning and as i was talking with her we don't uh, there's no looking at it holistically there's no holistic medicine in it in the medical field at all it's not don't look at the body as a whole don't look how psychology may affect the body or how the body may affect psychology don't just just treat what makes you the most money it's like if you treat uh, somebody's hip without looking at their foot it may be that their their toe is a little offset and it's going to cause you to walk off kilter and affects the hip. You know, there's uh, effects of effects that happen on the body. So you've got to look at it as a whole. And we're not doing that, especially in this uh, in this pandemic. We're not looking at the psychological effects and uh, the stress, the effects of stress, which um, definitely have a strong influence on immunity. I mean, you look in the nursing homes and I talked to a physical therapist. She told me, she said, they're not dying in here from COVID. They're dying from depression. She said, they don't want to leave their rooms. They're not uh, engaged in activities. She said, they don't want to go out and talk to the only last friends they have because they have to sit six feet apart. Yeah. And I, every, I go to nursing homes and, you know, at least once a week I see, well, now they're opening up to where they can visit a little bit more. But um, when they weren't allowed, family wasn't allowed to visit, I would at least once a week, I would hear uh, the family member talking to uh, the resident through the window because that's how they had to communicate through the window. And then the resident would be just bawling their eyes out. Why can't I see you? And the family member, oh, there's a deadly virus. You don't want this. And I just want to run up and strangle him, you fucking idiot. That's your loved one crying out to you. Yeah. But uh, it, it's just, uh, it's heart-wrenching what the, these people are being put through. And you want to talk about lockdowns and think that they work? There's no place under greater lockdown than a nursing home. Yeah. There's no place that is using more strenuous PPE uh, usage than a nursing home and it's still uh, the cases still pop up there so that's why a lot of the nurses that even were in the beginning fearful are now like it's bullshit we we followed all of your mandates and people are still getting sick so why what wh how does this work yeah and, and nursing home deaths took a bit of a uh uh, an increase recently when they started putting the vaccine out to them. Um, I don't know if it's been the same over in Ohio, but 
Certainly in the UK there's been a bit of a spike in the last few months of people dying in nursing homes. Now, you would expect that to a degree anyway because it is flu season. So it's handy that the vaccine come in at the same time as flu season, which it's going to either mask its effects or if the vaccine is causing the deaths or it's hampering it from being shown that it's actually working. So I'm, I must admit I'm not a great uh, I'm not a great fan of the vaccine. I think that with a, a such a low death rate and such a, a lack of people that are susceptible to it, I don't think we should even have been considering a vaccine for this. Right. It would be like uh, pushing a vaccine for the cold. Yeah. And I'm not saying that this is the cold. There are people who are vulnerable who are experiencing it harder than other people but that's a, such a low such a low statistic that it's insignificant and uh, people hate to hear that term insignificant but i mean when you're dealing with something uh, scientifically and you look at the statistics you have to understand what is an insignificant statistic and you what we have uh, completely done away with is the cost benefit analysis what is the cost of dealing with a vaccine versus the benefit. The benefit, as we've seen, there are so many adverse reactions. We don't know what's going to happen in the future because it's still in an experimental phase. And it will be, people keep saying, oh, it's experimental phase for two, three years. No, medications, were they're supposed to go at least eight years or beyond that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking at adverse reactions. We're looking at deaths. We're looking at uh, symptoms that we never even expected from a vaccine that uh, they had been trying to create for uh, a decade now. And throughout those trial periods, the animal animals in those trials were dying from things like cytokine storm, yep. and which is expected for this vaccine as well. And if you don't take it now, you're a science denier. No, fuck you. You are the science denier. Yeah. Yeah, well, well wasn't it Dolores Cahill that said that she expects people that are in their 70s will be lucky if they last two or three years if they get the vaccine now, and people in their 30s will be dead within five to ten years, she reckons. She reckons it will severely inhibit their lifespan. Right, and that's... That's the thing that I wasn't worried about. I wasn't. I, I didn't expect people to just drop dead as soon as they get the vaccine. I didn't expect them to drop dead as soon as they get the boost. But what I'm, I'm concerned about is a few years in the future or six years in the future. Who knows? And then they're talking about that they need even need a third booster now. So, yeah. so it's going to be boost top of booster, and then we're vaccinating for the old virus. So they're going to want you to vaccinate for the old virus and the new strain and just uh, the accumulation, the accumulative effects of it. We have no idea what that can entail. Yeah. Uh, I must admit, the suspicion on the vaccine really ramped up for me when they changed the time period between the first and second dose because initially it was to be done, what was it? Was it two weeks or four weeks? Four weeks, maybe? So there was to be one dose, and then the second dose was four weeks later, and then they changed it to 12 weeks. Now, the only reason I could see for that was to get more people with the first dose before people started getting really bad reactions. Right. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, if you want to sell as much vaccine as you can. So the, the thing is, if it is a pandemic, what is the end game? Is it depopulation? Is it, you know, is it control? Is it? enhanced tracking is it keeping people in their place is it universal basic income so everybody gets well everybody owns nothing and apparently should be happy oh well uh, it's all of the above you just hit on everything that it is it's multifarious i mean it, it, they're definitely controlling us i mean it, with the mass it's been this is uh classic cult ritual programming i mean not only the masks, but the separating from the family and de-individualizing the person. And you can't question the authority. And it's, it's all this uh, 
social engineering and programming, they're pushing us into this uh, this new this this new normal that they want to tell us about, but we should be taking that back and say, no, we're the people, we decide what is normal. And this is abnormal. This has never been normal. Uh, but people are just taking it on the chin and saying, yeah, I'm going to abide by it like the limit that I am. Uh, yeah, it's, it's control. It's all of the above that you say. It's the great reset. It's uh, ushering us into the track and trace where they have total control over us technologically. They want to push us into smart cities, into these uh, social credit scores. It, certainly, all of the above. Y you nailed it. Yeah. And it's frightening because people are taking it, as you said, on the chin. And they're just getting on with their life as it is just now. And they're even starting to accept it as the new normal. It's, it's like, when will people wake up and fight back? I mean, we've seen protests, but in real terms, these are a tiny fraction of people. When the, the, the great unwashed is, is out there just doing their normal thing or sitting on the couch watching Netflix, you know, how long is it going to take for people to fight back or will they never fight back? Ah, well, that's that's the big question. Will, will we fight back? Uh, at what point will we fight back? And that's why uh, our governments are very intelligent at working in degree in degrees. They didn't just force the mask mandates overnight. They said, uh, no, you shouldn't wear a mask. And then they said, uh, well, if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, then wear the mask. Then they said, well, maybe you should wear the mask. And then they said, definitely wear the mask. That's how they work in degrees. They're not going to push you all the way over the edge at once. They're going to kind of coax you there. Yeah. And and that's, that's how people that these frogs stay in the boiling water degree by degree. And that's what we're seeing. And uh, yeah, the, the awakening that has to happen, it has to happen now. We are at the end point. It has to happen now. Or it, yeah, we're doomed. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, even when you look at, when you look at Florida and Texas, where masks mandates have been dropped, people, some people are still wearing masks. And they're still having to wear masks to go into certain businesses, and and like you say, people have to turn around and go, no, you know, you can't you can't enforce a mask. Apart from the fact that things don't work anyway, but that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I, I don't I don't wear a mask anywhere I go. I use the old fashioned, hey, I have a medical exemption, and that usually gets me through. If they if they don't let me in, I, I just say, well, I guess you don't want my money, and I turn around and walk out. Yeah, it's yeah. as easy. And I don't care how many people are wearing masks. If this is me flying my flag, showing my face, then that's how I got to do it, I guess. But uh, it, it, you look around, and I really think that the majority of people uh, underneath it all really truly see the bullshit of it all. I really truly think they do, but it's just this fear of stepping out of line. You, If you lined up people on the sidewalk and somebody's jogging up, you, they're not going to jog around. They're going to step in line with the rest of the people and be like, what's this line about? Just because that's how psychology of people is. You don't want to go outside of the normal protocol, but it's not normal. We, I, I don't know how to express that enough to people it's not normal we have not lived like this for thousands of years we did not wear masks for thousands of years and survive we did not take vaccines for thousands of years and survive we didn't lock down we didn't shut out our family we didn't have these 10 person protocols we didn't do any of this for thousands of years the human population has survived countless viruses and they have come and they have went because we go, carry on in humanity the way that we know, the way we have evolved, this group connection. We are a group animal, and to deny that is to uh, completely destroy human nature, and it's this installation of the robot. It's the installation of the machine, and you got to rage against that machine, my friends. you got to fight it now. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% correct. There's, there's nothing there that I could disagree with. You look at China and 
the way that people have to behave. They have to make sure their credits, their, their social credit score is correct or they can't buy a train ticket or they can't go home to their village and see their family. They can't, they can't leave the country, they can't fly unless they have a good social credit score. And they're, they are informing on their neighbours whether they're doing good or wrong. I, I saw a clip the other day and there was an old woman and she was saying, I, I praised my neighbour because he brought a drunk person home. So the guy got a boost on his social credit score. I mean, that that's the kind of place. It's like, um, do you ever see that film, Cloud Atlas? I think. Uh, I did, but I don't recall it very yeah, well. Yeah, there was a bit in that. Kind of, there was, you know, it was it was multiple different streams that were going on at the same time. But there was a very regimented society, and and really, you know, all the movies that that were going down now. There's they live 1984. They're all looking very like Effective programming. Yeah they're, yeah, they're all looking exactly like the places that we're living in just now. It's actually quite frightening. And, for and, vendetta. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you're right. If we don't fight against it, then there isn't going to be a happy ending for us. It's just not going to be there. All right, and that's uh, history will tell you that. Yep. So um, and and now that it's happening worldwide. It's like with, with Nazi Germany, at least there were people from the outside fighting. Uh, now there are no people from the outside unless you're waiting for alien intervention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got to rise up from all corners of the earth. And and you're, when you say rise up, I, I think we need to rise up and overthrow governments because the government system as it stands just now doesn't work. And... It's not something that you can fix from the inside. It needs to be ripped out and replaced completely. And I'm not, I'm not saying what that replacement would or should be, but um, we need to get rid of these multiple layers of government. You know, the the whole influence of big corporations and the industrial complex. You know, the industrial military complex. All that needs to go because it just doesn't work for us anymore. And, uh, yeah, we've uh, developed this dependence upon government where we think that there are mother and father supplying us our uh, food and shelter. But we got to realize we do that for ourselves and we can empower ourselves and we don't need government. We, we're the ones who grow the food. We're the ones who package it, process it, uh, send it out. We're the ones who build the bridges. We're the ones who create the network. So we need to localize our power structures. And uh, so you talked about uh, we need to do it. We can't do it from the inside, but I say we need to do it from within and without. I think we need to infiltrate. I think we need to recruit. I think uh, we need to recruit hackers. We need to recruit people who are techno savvy. We need to recruit Everybody who can combat these psychopaths, anybody who knows how to operate a drone so that we can fight off their drones. I think it, it, at this point, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's at a point that it ha we have to build. We have to build communally from each community and develop some sort of network. There has to be some sort of uh, freedom fight from, at the most basic local level. Outward. Yeah, I like what you're saying. So it's a counterculture. It's it's playing them at their own game. Instead of the elite stroke predator class, we become the the um. What would you call us? <laughs> I wouldn't say uh, play at their own game. I would say uh, change the game. Yeah, but, I would but, say but, if but, they want to play chess, we play checkers. Yeah, and king me, bitch. <laughs> yeah, what I meant was um, build build structures in secret that can take them down which is kind of what they've right. been doing with us, haven't they? Right. Yeah, every movement we have, they infiltrate it and destroy it. I yeah. mean, look at Black Lives Matter or even back to the 60s of the Black Panthers. Any any protest movement, they're going to infiltrate it and then use it for their divide and conquer. So, uh, yeah, play them at their own game, but also at the same time change the game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think... I think that sounds like a good place to leave it. So we're not quite on the the uh, the cusp of doom, but we have shown that there might be a a path out if we're prepared to stand up and be counted. I concur thoroughly. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate you having me on the show, man. 
Yeah, and it's been uh, great talking to you, Josh. I'm certainly going to look up your podcast. What was it? Shit, shoot the shoot the shit. Shit, shit shooting one hundred and one. Yes. Sorry, shit shooting one hundred and one. Right, so I'll be looking that up tonight and have a listen to that and see how it goes. And um, maybe we can touch base again at some point. Yeah, I definitely enjoy that. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, mate. Take care. You too. Well, there we have it. That concludes another episode of Chasing Liberty. Great speaking to Josh from Shit Shooting 101, where we spoke about everything from what's really going on in care homes to how to escape from this tyrannical dictatorship that the government has over us just now. Stay sane, everyone. Diamonds, I don't need those rocks A second-hand car and a new pair of socks I want liberty without conditions Roll up the carpet from the floor I don't want to be your prisoner no more I want liberty without conditions I want liberty Take away those drums, they're too loud Give me a guitar and I'll play to the crowd I want liberty without conditions Take away that job, I don't want to work I'll stay at home and play in the dirt I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on my conditions Your line, I want liberty without conditions. Work on the docks or down a hole. Come out at night and pray for your soul. I want liberty without conditions. I want liberty on my conditions. Diamonds, I don't need those rocks A second-hand car and a new pair of socks I want liberty without conditions Roll up the carpet from the floor I don't want to be your prisoner no more I want liberty without conditions I want liberty on my Conditions